we've been coming along uh, with one another for, but I think since 1970, no, 1980, around 1980, 81, 82. So uh, we've come together a long way. It's a prayer that the Lord will meet all of us at the point of our needs today, in Jesus' name, all of us who are on site and there, those of them who are online, praise the Lord. Now, uh, we're going to be talking, the topic that has been given to me, let me uh, mention it to us, is already on the scripts. I mean, the invitation uh, on the invite. The topic is sex in a Christian marriage. And uh, as footnotes, I had the bedroom nuggets, uh, bedroom secrets for keeping passion alive. And uh, before I continue, let's have a word of prayer. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I want to thank you so much for this beautiful Saturday morning, the very last one, this month of uh, January 2023. I want to thank you, Lord, for all of us who have made it here physically. I want to thank you as well for those of us who are online. We pray, Lord, that as your word will come forth this hour, you will meet each and every one of us at the points of our needs in Jesus' name. The words that will go forth will not return unto you empty, but it will accomplish the purposes for which you are sending it across us our way this day in the name of Jesus. End of it, Lord, we all have causes to bless you and to rejoice that we have been privileged to be in your presence for this message. Thank you, merciful Father. We know you will do beyond our wildest imagination. Because we're asking it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Sex in marriage, in a Christian marriage, Christian emphasized. And um, I want us to look in the scriptures, look into the scriptures. Let's read from Proverbs 5, 15 to 23. And it goes thus. It says, drink waters from your own system and running waters from your own well, should your fountains be dispersed, I'm reading from New King James Version. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be only your own, not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife or husband of your youth. As a loving dear and a graceful doer, let a breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with a love. For why should you, my son, my daughter, be enraptured by an immoral woman or man and be embraced in the arms of a seductress or a seductor? Says, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. The all-seeing God is uh, watching all of us. And he ponders all his parts, his own iniquities or our own iniquity and tram the wicked man, the wicked woman, and he or she is caught in the cause of his or her sin, he or she shall die for lack of instruction. 
and in the greatness of his or her folly, he shall go astray. None of us will go astray. This subject in Jesus' name. Now, let, let's look again at Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 5 again. I'm, I'm sorry, Songs of Solomon this time around. Songs of Solomon chapter 5, 2 to 8. Songs of Solomon 5, 2 to 8. It goes thus. That's a woman talking there. I slept, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is covered with dew. My locks with the drops of the night. I've taken off my robe. How can I put them on again? I've washed my feet. How can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latchet of the door, and my heart yearned for him. I rose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with mare, my fingers with liquid mare on the handles of the lock. My heart leaped up. When he spoke, I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. The watchman who went about the city found me. They struck me, they wounded me. The keepers of the walls took my veil away from me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him I am lovesick. Praise the Lord. Sex in marriage. Bedroom nuggets for keeping passion alive. Now, the desire for sexual intercourse, I call it sexual intercourse, that's the full name, because it's supposed to be between man and woman. It's a two-way thing. But of course, it is loosely termed sex. Said the desire for it is inborn. But the act itself is in human being, is designed by God Himself for a sacred. See? And uh, exhilarating, that is refreshingly thrilling, intimate relationship between a man and his wife exclusively. See? But unfortunately, some human beings respond as dogs, sleeping with anything in skirt, anything in trouser, or whatever. The shame. We've just read from. Proverbs 5, 15 to 23, which says, let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Let no stranger partake in that experience. And of course, for those who are yet to marry, this, uh, when you begin to feel funny with the, uh, about it, about this issue of sex with the person you are engaged to, you want to get married to, say, go ahead and marry. Don't begin to fornicate. You read that uh, from 1 Corinthians 7, 36. For the married, it says, marriage is honorable in all, the bed undefiled, but warmongers and adulterers, God will judge. So the desire for sex 
I would say it's about the second strongest instinct in humankind. The only instinct that is stronger than it is the instinct of self-preservation. What does that mean? Uh, when you have done something wrong and uh, you don't want to be caught or you don't want to be penalized, instinctively, an individual denies it. Or he or she may repent later on, but instinctively he wants to deny it. And that, in fact, starts from you know, the cradle from childhood. Child of two or three has begun to talk, begins to lie, so on and so forth. Now, but I said the sexual instinct is the second strongest instinct in man. Let us note that the depth of intimacy between a man and his wife partly depends on the frequency and spontaneity of their sexual communion with each other. Again, we read in our lead passage, let your fountain be blessed. They rejoice with the wife of your youth. It says, be thou ravished always with our love. They, uh, I've just given a lecture to an attorney couple. That was their last lecture. It was on sex. They were getting married after I said everything. And I knew. <laughs> then she asked a question. How often do you advise husband and wife to get involved sexually? I said, what does the Bible say? She said, always. In other words, it's often as either of them will desire it. Now, so sexual dysfunction could threaten fidelity. When we talk about fidelity, that is loyalty to one's spouse, including abstention or cheating or what we call extramarital affairs. Sexual dysfunction could threaten the very existence of marital union, especially young people. So this presentation examines various factors that frustrate on one hand and fuel on the other passion for sexual fulfillment in each of the married partners. Talking about passion, there's a strong desire for something. And uh, as you get to know in the course of this presentation, some partners knowingly or unknowingly kill that strong desire uh, in their marriages. It's rather unfortunate, it wouldn't be so. So I'm gonna look at the presentation under two subheadings. The first one is factors that frustrate passion for marital sex. And uh, I could go over them. And of course the second is factors that fuel passion for marital sex. Let me go over those factors that frustrate passion for marital sex first. I've listed them. <laughs> the list is uh, by no means exhaustive, but I quickly go over them. The first one is what I call wrong religious beliefs. Wrong religious beliefs. I'm saying for the obtained time, say, let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. A husband of your, you let our breast satisfy you at all times and be thou ravished always. The word always underlined. But there's much misconception about the fact of always as a result of wrong 
religious indoctrination from various quarters, even amongst born-again Christians, such as some of them will tell you that the desire for sexual intercourse uh, is motivated by demons when engaged in too often. Some say that. Some will tell you that it could become sinful when you engage in it too often. Some will even tell you that it could diminish a minister's uh, anointing even when legitimately engaging frequently with the spouse. So there are all sorts of versions to this misconception. However, let us note that it is the devil's lie to make one again Christians believe that there is something intrinsically wrong in legitimate sexual intercourse at certain occasions. Of course, while the same devil encourages all forms of sexual orgies in unregenerated people, so many kinds of sexual perversions, some say oral sex, some talk about inner sex, and all that rubbish. These are all from the pit of hell. Now, let us note as well that sexual rapport between a man and his wife at all times is a sacred affirmation and reassurance of the love between the two of them. Was bearing even all forms of sexual perversions in them. You know, some married Christian partners engage in all kinds of sexual perversions. You know, and that's, that's unfortunate. That's terrible. So that's number one. Wrong religious uh, beliefs. Wrong religious beliefs. The second one, ignorance about the act itself. Proverbs 7, 18 says, come, let us take our feel of love until morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. That's a woman talking there. But many women in particular erroneously believe that the gem in sex is for their husbands alone and that they only help them, they help these men to cool off their nerves into refreshing sleep and perhaps their only Consolation lies mainly in carrying pregnancies and tending babies. Such women are ignorant of, of the real thing. Now, all such assumptions are far from the truth. Both the husband and wife could derive maximum pleasure from the act through separate orgasm experience, subsequent refreshing sleep. We'll still talk about orgasm later. I remember our first night experience, my wife and I, it was uh, 29.979. Got married, church, first we got to church over there. And uh, well, we retired to bed in the night, first night, because I was uh, very uh, excited about it. I looked forward to it. And it was a rough one. We didn't have knowledge. Jumped on her. Uh, she yelled, cry, oh, stop it, painting me, blah, blah. And uh, she was a virgin. What happened? Notice that we are soiled the bed, my uncle's bed. Uh, so we quickly asked my mom, who was around to help us get the bed sheet washed uh, for the morning. So we had to go on honeymoon. And then before we set out, my wife said she wanted to make some observations. 
I said, go ahead. There is that sex thing, there's nothing to it. That when she was at the University of Ife, she had always looked forward to the experience when she got married. But at, from uh, the previous day, there was nothing to it, and that she was in pain, and that she had to excuse her for a while. I said, ah, what are you talking about? When we had not started, and she didn't laugh, so I knew there was a problem somewhere. I said, what do you want us to do now? The very first day, we started quarreling. You know, over sex. Then I said, okay, you had mentioned that there was one book about it. You know, in those days, I used to say, look, I wouldn't fit my eyes on junk. When we get to the bridge, the Lord would teach us how to cross it. We got there and got stuck. <laughs> so it's like, well, the book is there. If you want, if you are interested, what was the book on every woman? So I grabbed it, encouraged her, and went to an honeymoon. And I started devouring the book. I started putting into practice all that was in the book on sex, how a woman, how the woman could enjoy sex just as the man does. See? I'm talking about ignorance about the act. As another woman, I've gone through all the other lectures, and they came for this last lecture on sex and marriage. I said everything I knew. And the, she still asked the question. Uh, and <laughs> you know, I asked her, what is orgasm experience? What was orgasm? She said, when the sperm just touches you. I laughed. <laughs> I said, you might not even know when the sperm <laughs> Of course, she was still uh, in ignorance. A lot of women would have had all their babies from sexual outings with their husband, but know nothing about orgasm experience. It happens. So that's second point. Ignorance about the act itself. The third one has to do with what I call self-centeredness. Self-centeredness manifests through impatience and disregard for wives. Spared by the men. I want to jump on them and then, you know, do the three, five minutes job and then slum off, sleep off. That's self-centeredness. Disregard for wives. On the other hand, many women decide against sexual intercourse with their husbands. They just make unilateral decisions about it. And they, okay, well, they, they prefer that their husbands should excuse them from the act from time to time. They don't, don't feel like. Well, maybe it could be as a result of unresolved conflicts. I still talk about that. But some will simply tell their husband, they just don't feel like. <laughs> the latter attitude in such women is unfair, as well as it is unscriptural. Why do I say that? If you look in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5, it says, The fraud you know one the other, except it is with consent, so that you may give yourselves to fastener. It says, The first bit of it is what I want to make it up. The fraud, don't deny yourself sex, you know, except it is by consent. In other words, the two of you must agree. You cannot just make a unilateral decision about the matter. You know, I, I went for minister somewhere. It was during this uh, January, February, March, uh, 90 days spree that uh, some particular sector uh, go through. And as I mean, after the administration, a lady came to me, said, excuse me, sir, they wanted to report her husband to me. I said, what happened? He said, this 
this fasting thing that, I mean, the man is trying to spoil it. He wouldn't do, he wouldn't want allow her to do. Eh? That she was going to start rejecting it. Uh, and I said, uh, well, you cannot make it, this as long as you won't say, you will give it to her. Praise God. Now, you see, the women advance many excuses for their lack of cooperation with their husband. This will include tiredness. And I tell them, if you are tired, just pose for him. He will do what he wants to do. And then, in fact, that will probably help you sleep better. The wife. Faint illness. Some people just develop a sickness <laughs> maybe in the evening. One told her, her husband, she was having backache. That was around 6 p.m. But the, the, the man felt that he was just uh, trying to be difficult. And by the time we were in bed, the man stretched out his hand for the joint. Tell look, if you tried that thing, I told you I was like, I was having backache. Is it even look in the scriptures very well? That's 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. The Bible did not say, perhaps, uh, except if you uh, uh, sick, sickness is a genuine reason. But if, if, if sickness has been put there as one of the reasons husband and wives will not release, I'm sure a lot of women will have made a nonsense out of it. You know, say, I'm sick. Go and read your Bible. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Fasting and praying, of course, like I said, if the other partner says he's not interested in fasting, you have to, you just have to concur. And that will not even spoil your fasting anyway. The Bible has not said it will spoil your fasting. They accept this with consent. He has not agreed. So, so you are covered by the word of God. Now, again, the above quoted scripture does not support the excuse, well, rather it admonishes abstention by mutual consent. I've already said that. The truth is that a woman has a lot of inbuilt framework to absorb her husband's sexual advances if she really desires to. Much of the reported resentments stem from her unspoken or unresolved contention and dissatisfaction with her. I have a witness in the house, woman. Oh, yeah, somebody has answered me. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Praise God. Again, since the desire for sexual intercourse is low in many lactating women, and there's a reason for that, they have this hormone in them. We call it prolactin. That's the hormone that uh, stimulates uh, milk production in the breast. But somehow it dampens the desire for sex. In this, woman, in this woman, but it, they need to know that the husband has not changed. Okay? So such women just refuse to yield to their husband's desire for the act. Let me share an experience with you. In church many years ago, uh, uh, this man, I mean, uh, was the only one coming to church. The wife was still at home, going to three, four, five months. And I said, I was his wife. Yeah, it's okay, except that uh, he had become a bachelor in his house. <laughs> I got the message. I said, you mean five months he had to sex? I said, yes. I said, well, I said, please tell her to see me. And the woman came. And I said, why, why now? Five, six months? 
<laughs> the man is laughing at me. He said, Dr. Mo, is it food? <laughs> is it missing trouble? Where is this uh, self-control? The Bible talks about. Uh, I think you are very selfish. You are very, very selfish. If you don't mind, see me in my office. Before, I told her to come to my office. Before, I will put in a call for her. And uh, I made sure I got to the clinic. I said, she get there before seven. By seven o'clock, if, if, if she didn't see me, she could go. I got there before seven. She had come and left the place. The contending, the need for sex with her husband. And of course, the man thereafter mustered enough courage and had sex with her. And she got pregnant. She got annoyed with all of us. Her husband and myself. Because I was just quiet. I was watching her. She had that baby. That was number four. Or what was it? I didn't talk. One of the days she said, uh, excuse me, sir. That thing uh, you talked about, that she wanted it. Then, uh, what was it? The family planning stuff. Where she learned her lesson the hard way. So self-centeredness. must make sure that uh, we don't allow it to spoil the fun between us as husband and wife. Number four is what I call self-deception. I would say to avoid fornication. Let every man have his wife. Let every woman have her husband. Telling us that it is an inborn thing. They defraud not each other. Now, but many women, especially, erroneously fail to initiate sexual act or express their desire to their husband as a result of wrong indoctrination. But uh, let me say to you, uh, such uh, resentment could be justified by some of these women. Uh, you know, there was a marriage seminar I attended, and I was encouraging the women to, to be forthcoming sexually with their husband. He said, yes, it was a good thing I had said, but that uh, she had a nasty experience with her husband. That's what happened. He said, uh, they were just trying to introduce some new stuff into their sexual relations. And the man looked, the man looked at him uh, and said, where do you get that from? He didn't say, no, I've not done it. I've not done it wrong. But of course, thereafter, the woman just kept to ourselves. Praise God. Many married partners settle for a dull monotony in their sexual experience out of self-deception. Some husbands deliberately stay off sexually at times, from time to time, as a result of lack of initiation and encouragement from their own wives who probably desire it, but are waiting for their husbands to woo them all the time. It's a, it's a sexual intercourse. It's a two-way thing. Praise God. Such women should realize that their husbands also desire to be wooed occasionally as well. Now, that's number four. Number five, talking around factors that frustrate marital sex. Number five, is unattractive or unromantic presentations in one or both partners. If you read from Songs of Solomon 7, there are so many passages, but let's just look at that one. Songs of Solomon 7, 1 to 7. I have it on the board. Songs of Solomon 7, 1 to 7. Anybody doing that for me? All right. Is here. How beautiful are your feet with shoes, O oh, princess, the, the daughter? The, the joints of thy thighs are like jewels. 
the work of the hands of a cunning workman. Dynavel is like a round goblet which wanted not liquor. Your belly is like an heap of wheat set about with lilies. Thy two breasts are like two young rows that are twins. Read on to seven. Your neck is as a tower of ivory. Your eyes like the fish pools in Edgebon by the gate of Bartharabin. Thy nose is as the tower of Lebanon, which looked towards Damascus. Your head upon thee is like caramel, and the air of thine head like purple. The king is held in the galleries, and so on and so forth. I'm talking about unattractive or unromantic presentations in one or both partners who frustrate the uh, passion for touch with each other. Now, husband and wife should make themselves look forward to bedtime with each other. But unfortunately, it is only when the couple are in bed some men in particular pretend to be in love with their wives by stretching out their hands, stretching their hands around them for the usual enrich. And of course, it's all for self-gratification. Ordinarily, many of such men are not friendly with their wives. But the truth is that the female species yearns for exciting tidbits of romantic love from her husband, especially during the daytime. It's only when they are in bed that some men pretend to be in love. Now, this will include romantic verbal expressions. So that's, oh, you are cute, especially when she deserves it. I love you, sweetheart, darling. You know, commendation for a nice gesture towards the man. Like, thank you. Oh, great. Remember there was this couple, the lady served her husband for supper. And I think the, there was not enough salt in the... In the Food. And the man just yelled out, Is there no salt in this house? Imagine. <laughs> the lady looked at him, went to the kitchen, and just threw the salt at, her, at him. You will imagine, and of course, in the night, that same man will now come around wanting sex. Are you following me? After you have messed her up. What stopped you from going to pick the salt by yourself? If you felt it wasn't enough. Praise God. Others, I'm talking about uh, lack of word, or unattractive or romantic, presenta unromantic presentations in one or both partners. Others are heartwarming GSM text messages, telephone calls during the day, guest charging. Uh, in form of flowers, well, that's not, uh, that's bring to our own culture. Bring flowers for their wives. But things like packaged sweets and fast foods, don't take fast food, both of you are too old. <laughs> Cards, outing together and so on. That's how I did it with my wife in those days. I'm getting old now, but uh, it's not over yet anyway. And it's all over. Amen? So, another one, number six, what I call inconducive bedroom mannerisms. And all of this will include unattractive nightwears, 
Mm, Nightwear should be colorful, so for the woman, transparent, short, and so on and so forth. Praise the Lord, you want to listen? <laughs> As a woman will go to, you know, in Bubba and Euro. What is all that about? All these sanctimonious presentations. You know, there's a difference between sanctimoniousness and sanctification. I hope you know that. <laughs> I'm talking around inconducive bedroom mannerisms, unpleasant odors, smell in the bathroom or in the room or adjacent toilets. You no, know, even if it is ensued, those things should be smelling nice. Unkept bed spreads, untidy. Some best friends are not changed until one month or the other after that. It's all wrong. See, dirty underwear, that's why the men. <laughs> other one, unwillingness to undress totally. Go naked. I read that out to you earlier on. I put on my dress. Why should I put it on? I'm sure you had that earlier on. Unwillingness to undress totally for the sexual act. Another one, avoiding closeness with each other in bed, especially during conflict moments. You know, uh, and they are not talking to each other. It's a matter of to your turn, so Israel. I remember there was this couple many years ago. They were in that situation for months on end. And I think the man just forgot himself one evening and threw his hand towards. The wife felt something fell from his hey! <laughs> They looked at each other, they smiled. So your tense again, no Israel. Childishness. Somebody has said that when, when you scratch an adult, it becomes a child. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Number seven. Unfulfilled home, home dreams. Home dreams. Some men, some women too, with infertility challenges, lose interest in sexual rapport with their spouses. Because uh, that problem is usually more with men who cannot perform. As a result of a poor libido, a lot of interest eh, to be overwhelming in these men. They have a lot of inner conflicts. Some of them, they don't know how to handle such a situation. They, they, they shift the blame on their wife. They keep sending the woman, go for tests, go for this and all that. And they know that this problem resides in them. I've seen a lot. You know, there was this man many years ago, she lived quite close to, to the church. And I've seen both of them, himself and the wife. He was the one who had that, he was the one who had that problem. The wife was uh, very all right. And uh, the lady remained with him many, many years later. She came to my office. Said her husband said somebody uh, got pregnant and had a baby for, for him. I said, who, who is this? Woman? Go and call him here. The man refused to come. They had brought in what? Bastard for the, for the wife. That's wickedness. And by that time, the lady was already uh, uh, menopausal. I stopped menstruating. 
Another one died in the process. Another man who died in the process. Because again, he was blaming the wife. And after he died, the lady remarried and had a child. How do you explain that? So he was already dead. Unfulfilled home dreams. They don't know how to handle it. Another one, unresolved conflicts between the married couple. That happens very often. Let us note that conflicts or disagreeable moments are inevitable in marital relationships. It's a lifelong experience. I run into conflict with my wife from time to time, but uh, we usually get over it. No. Very soon. But a good number of married partners employ sex, either as a weapon of leverage or revenge, whenever they are unable to quickly resolve their differences. They stay away from each other sexually. They discontinue sexual activities with each other at such times. For example, some women in calculated attempts see, to gain advantage, they deny their husbands their conjugal rights whenever they are starved of cash. Man is not bringing in money, which at times their husband may not even have in the first instance. So they, they, they want to use uh, sex to punish, to get what they are looking for. Now, see, I said, that shouldn't happen. And what is responsible for is lack of what? Transparency between husband and wife. The wife could just be suspecting that the man had money on it, and it might, it might not be true. On the other hand, some men too feel hurt beyond immediate repairs from insulting utterances from their wives. They deny their wives' sex at such times. And tell you, I can tell you some stories. Let me tell you one. Uh, this couple, anytime they went out together, the man did the driving. And anytime they got into a serious sick holdup, the man was trying to maneuver, to find his way through. The wife would just say, eh, kill me. Pami. Pami. And that had been happening over the years. Man said, stop all that. I you that you kill you. Am I a murderer? It didn't stop. It happened again at another time. And uh, the man went mute for six months. We're not talking to each other. You know, the lady just uh, pulled a phone call to me one morning. Asking me, sir, that uh, her husband didn't want her again. I said, what's the problem, uh, you are about 30 years in marriage. Who of you come over? And they came over. It was all about this, me or no, me, kill me or no, kill me. I said, that's, that's what you're... I said, look, it has become what? Uh, <laughs> a problem with the lady. So if you continue saying that, anytime you say kill me, you have to kill me. We'll kill ourselves. You don't need to quarrel you know, over that. You don't need to, I mean, you are not talking to yourself for over six months. There's a saint of God that made a statement, and I want to repeat it here. Say, God, give me strength to change what I can change. See? And he said, wisdom, no, so grace to accept what I cannot change. And then wisdom to know the difference between what I can change and I cannot change. It's not everything you don't like about each other that would disappear totally. Take note of that. You just make up your mind to live with them rather than, you know, fighting over so many things at home. 
about things you cannot change. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So those two responses, leverage, revenge, a wrong use of sex, see, which married couples should ordinarily employ. You should use sex to build intimacy between you, not to break it. It's very, very important. If you're quarreling and you just manage to relate sexually, you see, tension will cool down to some extent. But the man wants to me, the lady wants to me that even when they relate sexually, the man will still continue quarreling. <laughs> I said, that's okay. But the tension wouldn't be as much as uh, it would have been if uh, you didn't have sex. That's the truth. Praise God. Now, because that kind of attitude could be disastrous to your relationship if care is not taken. The Bible says, be angry. Let not the sun go down upon your anger and give no room to who? To Satan. You read that from Ephesians 5, 26, 27. Still let all bitterness be put away from among you with all malice. Still Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Say, but you tender-hearted. Be you kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Forgiven one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has, what, has forgiven you. Now, number nine, we're talking about factors that frustrate passion for marital sex. This has to do with what I call taboos associated with the pregnancy state, breastfeeding, and the menopause. Three things I've mentioned here. Let me quickly go through them. What are taboos? A taboo is an inhibition or ban that is put on something, and of course, it results from social customs, social customs, beliefs, which are not based on solid reasons or facts. Let me take one. Them after one after the other. Pregnancy state. Some women will tell you that once they are pregnant, they shouldn't have sex. It will lead to what? Abortion. That's not always true. There's what we call habitual aborters. If a woman has not aborted up to four times eh, in a row, they, they probably will not abort all the time. Now, we're talking about abortion and pregnancy. I've, I've known some women who perhaps, they, because they don't want to carry a particular pregnancy, they will go and do a lot of exercises and the thing will still remain. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. So, I mean, sex on its own does not cause what? Abortion in normal women. I mean, that's what I should add. The, um, so, let's take note of that. I, I, I remember when we got married and had our first uh, pregnancy, uh, twins' pregnancy. Of course, I mean, we had already discovered a lot of things about sex in marriage. So we just kept on relating sexually, uh, enjoying and having all the fun. But there's a style to it, even when the woman is pregnant. I remember the day <laughs> we went to Pantinita and they said my wife was not going back home, we had to deliver those boys had to come out. The previous night, we still had fun, had fun. And uh, you enjoyed ourselves, I enjoyed myself. But some women, uh, uh, you no, know, no, no, you will come here, you will kill me, you will kill me, you will kill me. Uh, uh. Is that serious? Praise God. Now, so that happens. Talking about pregnancy, another one has to do with breastfeeding. 
and sexual intercourse during the period. Some women will say, no, they're not going to allow it, but uh, you see, because uh, the baby could suck the, <laughs> the breast milk, uh, <laughs> could suck her sperm in the breast milk. That, that is not true. That sperm does not go beyond the, the uterus. But then, during pregnancy, the, it should uh, take some precautions so that the woman does not get pregnant. Uh, I mean, have pregnancy doesn't desire, or you don't want, the two of you don't want. So during that period, the man must compulsorily wear the condom. Praise the Lord. Now, the third one, talking about taboos, I was seated with a, a sex and all that kind of a thing. The third one is, has to do with menopause. Menopause is when the woman has stopped menstruating. And uh, there's a belief, there's a ploy that is put in place by our forefathers to justify their marrying new wives. They will tell those old women that, no, no, you cannot have sex again. No. Otherwise, you, your tummy will begin to swell up. That's a lie. And they had an experience in church many years ago. There was this woman, I just read menopause, and she started running away from her husband. She said that the husband was not in church. The man came to church to report her in his wife. And I was detailed to see them. And as I counseled with them, the lady kept begging me, excuse me, sir, please let me beg him. Said I could die from it if I continue and all that sort of thing. I said, no, but there's nothing like that. That is, in fact, where you can relate sexually with your husband without the fear of what unwanted pregnancy. Of course, by the time we began to say that, the man was happy. They said, ah, doctor, thank you. Thank you, she. May God knew for how long he has suffered in silence. So, uh, menopause could still relate sexually with each other. And the woman could still have a fun, could still get to orgasm, you know, uh, even after menopause. Now, the number 10, factors that frustrate. Said advanced age in one or both partners. Now, especially uh, with the men, there's this hormone in them, we call it testosterone, it goes down with uh, advanced age. Um, and that could kill their libido to some extent. But we discovered that some women become more interested in sex postmenopausally. Well, the explanation is not too, it's not far fetched. Truth is that uh, you have more of uh, testosterone, which is one that uh, enhances drive, sexual drive, it becomes more in them postmenopausally. The, the usual hormone in them, that is what estrogen goes down. That's when perhaps some of them begin to complain of bone pains and what have you. So uh, what am I saying? The women should do more win of their aging husbands in order to help them, in order to help enhance their libido. Especially if they are interested. But you discover that a good number of women do not understand why their aging husbands are no longer forthcoming sexually. There was one that told their husband that he, he no longer loved her. I mean. Simply because the man was no was coming uh, was no longer coming uh, up with a desire for pregnant for for sex. So number eleven, acute illness. 
or metabolic or organ disease in one or both of them. Even ordinary malaria will dampen desire for sex. You know, some cardiovascular system diseases, some respiratory problems like asthma, uncontrolled diabetes mellitus, you know, they did all medicine. Some men have what we call, even women to angina pectoris, chronic renal disease, all these things could dampen desire for sex in both partners. Number 12, psychiatric illness in a partner. Now there was this lady, until she passed, until she passed away some seven to 10 years after, rejected her husband's sexual advances. Non-stop. Said he could do, I'm gonna have sex with him. That was the man she already had three or four children for. This one was just in her 50s. Remember, late 40s, late 40s. Now she said her husband had contacted HIV from, uh, from several strange women, which was just a figment of her uh, uh, imagination. Because I mean, he did some uh, HIV testing you know, and it was negative. They would not want to be infected with it. So she was treated for this psychiatric problem. And uh, even until she died, along with her uh, diabetes mellitus. Another young lady just married will not tolerate her husband's sexual advances because she will not want to be raped. So, why are you raping me? It was a psychiatric case. In fact, he walked out of the marriage. The man was left alone. They were brought to me by, the, by the, some relations. Another one, a man, a man who had had two children by his wife, he threatened to kill her. But at the time, he jumped out of the window. Because he had been having this psychiatric illness, which was not well taken care of, and the whole thing become worse. So psychiatric illness will, res will be responsible for some, uh, what I call, um, Aberrations in their sexual uh, responses to each other. Now, fear of water pregnancy, we have talked around that. Finally, yeah. couples who fail to benefit from plant parenthood devices, maybe out of their doctrinal beliefs. I've seen some of such uh, couples before. Fears of unwanted pregnancy, because that could be taken care of. They are plant parenthood. And parenthood is all over the place. Praise God. Another one, medication in demand, especially this time around, not just because he's getting old, but because he's on drugs, some medicine. They, they experience loss of libido from antihypertensives, from antipsychotic uh, drugs, among others, diabetes mellitus. Number 15. What I call illicit drug abuse or smoking. Smoking. Uh, I had a couple who went through teaching. This is uh, a preparatory class some, some years back. They are my students. That was in the 90s. And uh, what happened? They had a girl born to them early in the union. But before he got married, before he became converted, he has smoked all sorts of, all sorts for over a long period. 
That was before he repented eh, and gave his life to Christ. But the damage had already been done. His libido waned gradually, and the wife could not understand. She reported her frustrations to me, among other brethren. She felt she could be of, that could be of help to her. Uh, of course, the man died of cancer of the lung in less than 10 years of their union. No, smoking, what I'm trying to say is that smoking kills the fire below in men. Number 16, I'll stop at 20. Has to do with previous sexual assault or phobia for sex. There's this couple I'm dealing with right now, young married, about five years in marriage. And the our union is just to be consummated. The lady will just say, no, 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 no. I did all I could to help uh, widen the passage, they went to uh, some gynecologist, and the lady will still not allow her to have sex. Six years on, I asked them to go and see psychiatric care. Doctor, the lady would not, <laughs> not, would not follow him. How do I do that kind of a thing? Well, another one, infidelity. Let's talk about this. It's very common. Infidelity or guilty conscience. Married people who frustrate their sexual passion for each other. Bible tells you, I mean, whosoever commits adultery with a woman or a man lacks understanding. The he or she who does so destroys his or her soul. That's Proverbs 6.32. But a good number of born again women and women see, or women, married to supposedly born again Christian husband in church, had come reeling in some terrible stuff they managed to extract from their husband's ordinarily password, whether their cell phones. You come say, Dr. Mowu, please help me. Come and read eh? what he got from their husband's cell phone. Until I'm putting the thing to the legal husband. Then eh? it has just stopped draining. Please come over so that I could do it again. Another one said, Look, eh? it's not only for your wife. Oh. And these men are in charge and they're taking such things. This is very, very sad. See? Uh, usually, the innocent spouse becomes uh, distasteful to their, what? To the guilty partner who begins to pick all kinds of holes, you know, in whatever the lady does. Because all in calculated attempts to divert attention. The innocent ladies, man could just come in and they look at you, your cheek, you are getting fat. Come put down, you know, you don't take time. I, I mean, I'll just walk out of the marriage. And the lady will be wondering, what have I done wrong? These things happen. Now, uh, by God's grace, I have never, I have never mounted another woman for sex in my near 44 years of marriage, and I will not till my eyes are closed in death, in Jesus' name. Let me say amen to that. Let me say amen to that. You see, the reality of entrapment is high. When somebody gets involved in that kind of a thing, to come out becomes a problem. That's the truth. And of course, that could end him or her 
inhale fire. That will not be your portion. In Jesus' name. So that's a very, very uh, important point to note. Infidelity. Other one, I soon leave that passion now. Sporadic fasting. Or inadequate diet of fluid and rest. Sporadic fasting. Some men, some women could just decide to go on fasting spree. They wouldn't want to have sex with their partners. Now, there was this lady, I'll give you an example. Now, this couple many years ago, we came from, I won't mention the name of the church now, came to see me. They were introduced to me by one of my assistants in the couple's uh, class. And the lady, the lady and the husband came together with the man who brought them. And the, the man was just pulling fire. He said, Look, Dr. Mowo, that she wanted her to die so that he could be free to marry another woman. He had, had refused himself in the previous five years. And I turned to the woman. I said, What now? Uh, Souls are dying. Huh? I have to be praying. Because <laughs> so you have become a psychiatric case. <laughs> I have to be praying. Fast and pray. Sporadic hmm. fasting. I have to be very careful. How many can go mental for me? How many can destroy their kidneys for me? See? Number nine, 19 now. I said I will stop at 20. Absenteeism. Absenteeism. That's what I call marital aloneness. Either from prolonged conflict, eh, during which the couple refuse to relate sexually with each other, or as a result of physical absence of one of the partners from home for a long period and for whatever reason. It's a big weapon. Take note. Satan, the society, and the couple themselves employ to destroy their marriages. Praise the Lord. I've never been uh, away from my wife more than two weeks. I remember when we came back from youth service, 1980, and one uncle asked me to come and run a, a, a hospital at Ikorudu. Run the clinic there for him. He wanted to travel out for one month. And I told my wife, well, we are going to get out. We are not taking on a paid employment there. He said, look, really, big me far. He said, when the snake crossed, the chest wall follows it. So we went together. But some men, some women, we all pretend. They, they won't talk about their sexual needs in that period. They'll take off. And many of them end up in sexual world immorality. It's a shame. Yes, it's a shame. Now, I, I can't tell you a lot of stories, but I've come across quite a number of them. Temptation to sexual immorality is very high in such circumstances. Even the Bible warns you and I of it. First, first uh, Corinthians 7 to 5. He said, come together again, lest Satan tempts you for your incontinency. There's a, there's a problem that is peculiar to married people. And that is their inability to withhold sexual urge for long. It's a reality. God said it. Was. No, you said it. Come together again, so that Satan tempts you not for your war. Incontinency. Incontinency is lack of your, your inability to withhold. We talk about urinary incontinence in medicine. 
you can't incontinence when they just drip, you know, just keep uh, dribbling urine or feces. Praise God. So what is the solution to that? Go together as a couple. We are feasible. Or interrupt, interrupt such absence with frequent visits to each other. It's very, very important. Number 20. Has to do with what I call homosexual or lesbianism in a heterogeneous marriage. You know what that means? Uh, heterogeneous marriage, husband, wife. But I, I, I had a case not too long ago. These ones were, were even through my couple's class many, many years ago. They had five children by, in, in the union, but the man is, or was, I believe he's been delivered, a homosexual. Homosexual. He would take her, he would just take off from home. He could take off for months on end. They won't see him. And uh, anytime perhaps uh, he stayed he was home alone, they will see all kinds of uh, splashes, sperm smear on the bed and all that. Not that he couldn't perform sexually. He just preferred it with a man like himself. That's terrible. Hmm? Well, but the lady who came to report her experience, terrible experience to us. Now, so that's another problem. And the lady came to complain because she had been sex So I said, those four, you didn't even know how those four children came about. <laughs> but it was through you. Because they, they, they related sexually, sparingly, occasionally. Well, I said 20, the 21st, 20, the 21st of them is what I call well, medicine, we say idiopathic, cause unknown. Always add that. Unknown causes. Now, quickly, let's look at the second part, the more interesting part now. What are the factors that fuel passions for marital sex? Now, in addition to eliminating ignorance and the aforementioned negative behavioral patterns, the couple, the, the married couple, should embark on healthy living habits, working exercises, and medical consultations where necessary. You know, some visit gym is very good. So, you know, you don't go to gym, just walk around. Maybe 30 minutes, one hour, sweat. That's good enough. See? So to ensure or ignite passion for sex in each other, the married couple should also give serious attention to the following. Number one, I'm not going to mention two of them, what I call sex peps. What are peps? They are factors that inject energy, high spirit, and enthusiasm into something. You have sex, sex peps as well. Now, uh, please avoid ingesting uh, all these libido enhancing preparations or steroids. Now, when I'm talking about sex peps, I, I, I'm not talking about that. Please take note. For the married couple who want to improve on their sexual fulfillment with each other, they, this will include what, what I call glamour. Glamour, glamour. What's glamour? Beauty that is sexually attractive. I'll talk a little bit about them earlier on. See? But some married partners take their spouses for granted in terms of their looks. That's the, that's the problem with many born-again Christians. Now, women, and to some extent men too, should cross-check 
with their spouses to find out if they are pleasing to them in terms of their spiritual as well as what, their physical outlook. Both of them are important. They go together. You know. Note that, that the men are turned on emotionally or sexually by the good and attractive stuff. No. Or here, from their wives, we are asked. Women are turned on emotionally and sexually by the good stuff. Their husbands tell them verbally, show appreciation, the things you do for them and their homes. You run errands for the homes. You relieve her of a lot of body. Oh, she will respond to your sexual advances. The opposite is also true. When you look yucky, when you don't look fine, you put him off. When you say nasty things to her, cut off. Praise God. So that has to do with glamour. Beauty that is what? Sexually attractive. Employees. The second one is what I call gestures. Gestures. Actions performed to show your feeling or intentions. I have a lot of it. See? Uh, actions performed. It could be in word. It could be in deed. Songs of Solomon 7, 6 to 7. Let's read that one quickly. Songs of Solomon 7, 6 to 7. That's a man. That's a man there. Oh, how fair and how pleasant are you, O love, for the lives. This thy statue is like a palm tree, and thy breast to clusters of grapes. Praise the Lord. Six. Now, that's gesture. Action performed to show your feeling or intentions. Verbal communication is one of the neglected tools by many are married. Partners in provoking sensual or sexual eh, desire with each other. Now, uh, the Bible tells you and me, Proverbs 18, 12, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Say nice things. Don't just keep mum all the time. What about nonverbal communications? Like romantic touch. You don't know how to talk. Then you, at least you know how to act. Romantic touch and tenderness. He puts his hands around me. Songs of Solomon 2, 6. says the same thing in 8, 3. See? And as I said earlier on, they will also include helping your wife to fulfill the chores at home, especially when there are no home helps. Running errands for each other and the home. See? Protecting her from our task. And eh, be a taskmaster. So men are our taskmaster, always wanting their wives to do everything for them. They will get this talk with you. That's just the truth. Hmm? Protect her from terrible in-laws and relations. Uh, these are separate topics. We're not going to all of that. The third thing, talking about peps, has to do with gifts. Gifts. The gifts will be altruistic. What do I mean by that? That is now unselfish acts of benevolence. Unselfish. It's not, you are not calculating in giving our gifts. Yeah? You read that from Songs of Solomon 2, 3 to 5. You may not be able to take that. Even the woman with the alabaster box of ointment with Christ. The Lord, the Lord appreciated, appreciated that kind of gesture. You know. Now, um, 
What I mean, I'll stress things. Before you think about it, before you spend 10K, for instance, on yourself, you have spent 50K to 100K or more on your wife and children. Not necessarily, eh? not talking about routine and uh, housekeep stuff. In terms of costumes, accessories, etc. Buy cars if you can afford it for her. Gifts, they go a long way. These are the things that I have done in the past, too. Take note. Small gifts could also be exciting to our wives from time to time. Small gifts. Just come home, probably you have a treble in your hands, you put a few in your mouth, and then come, 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 let me throw it on. She feels excited. Small, small things like that. Now, let's leave sex peps. Let's talk about sex peaks. Peaks. P A K S. That's why we are going to zero in. This, this, this element. In this sense, peaks mean to reach the highest degree or maximum eh, level in sexual experience, to get to orgasm. That's the maximum experience eh, in sexual intercourse between husband and wife. Because there are factors that determine that. Number one has to do with the, the fulfilling sexual posture. They define the two sexes. The man will always want the so-called missionary method. I wonder why they call it missionary. Is it to, to spy the missionaries? I don't know. The men will always prefer that anytime they did. But is it that posture does not help the woman to enjoy herself, to get orgasms? No. Uh, one of my books has diagrams on sexual postures. You know. Now, to attend to sex peaks, the woman requires a lot of foreplay. A lot of foreplay in form of tenderness, you know, and uh, see, harshness is totally out of it. You talk to her during the day, she won't respond to you in that time. You know, romantic talk which turns out on probably when the very sensitive parts of our body, such as the clitoris and the pubic area, are stimulated. Oh, sucking of our breast could also serve as an additional stimulus to, to turn her on, to turn her on. Because um, sex kissing could be an additional uh, trigger act for most women. Now, of course, if you are helping, if she's coming up in the foreplay, you will notice uh, she's secreting a lot. It's going to be much vaginal secretion and uh, spontaneous, rhythmical rigging of her waist. All that will signal what adequate sexual stimulation in the woman prior to your penile insertion. Uh, and all of this could take time, 15, 20 minutes, but a lot of men, they are only interested, you know, in the three to five minutes as they want to mount their wives and jump up and sleep up. No, that is rubbish. That's self-centeredness. You have to guide men now. You have to guide against the, the, the problems of impatience and disregard for your wives. Find out from her if she's interested, if she wants to pick. You know, and when she says she wants to pick, that is time for you not to be in a hurry. And then we walk her up. Now, of course, the women too have their problems. There's what we call insensitivity. The problem of it, a lot of women are not sensitive to their husband's sexual needs. Let us note that on the average, men are more motivated sexually by a stronger instinct and awareness. When you're not thinking about it, the man is probably thinking about it. Take note of that, women. The insensitivity, intolerance. No, 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 no. Leave me alone. 
I dial up that now. Indifference. Someone say, okay, come along. Come and do what you want to do. I'm going. Leave me alone. You don't stay there like a log of wood. That's wrong. You must partake in the wriggling movement that sends him or both of you to orgasm and refreshing sleep thereafter. Hmm? A good woman, a godly woman, let me use the word godly, joins her husband in the twisting and wriggling movement of her ways that sends both of them or one of them to orgasm subsequently. And you know, when you reach orgasm, the next thing that interests you, you want to sleep. To sleep up. But when you walk up the woman, you have enjoyed yourself, you sleep up, and she's not there, you keep her awake. And she gets annoyed with you. Now, orgasm is the most intense sexual excitement characterized by what I call ecstasy or waves of pleasant feeling sensation that travels all over your body. For such times, some men make a lot of noise, some women too. Ecstasy. You must get there. See, when you have experienced it, you always want a repeat. That's the truth. Maybe those women that are not forthcoming because they are doing orgasm. Because it's a desire, it's a thing you always want to repeat. Praise God. And, now, um, and of course, the sexual posture that I talked about, continuous clitoral play by him. That helps the woman a lot. And uh, until she reaches orgasm. It's advisable that her husband should withhold his own orgasm before her or that both of them experience it simultaneously. When, as a man, you are so much in a hurry, you get orgasm, your penis softens. See? And uh, that retracts your penis from her vagina. And what happens there after? You dampen, you dampen your wife's excitement. When she no longer feels things inside, she, she, she goes down. And of course, causing possible failure of orgasm experience in her. Well, when both of you had reached orgasm, of course, you could get there first. Then you now could switch over to your own uh, preferred method, missionary style, face to face on top of her. What have you? And of course, that latter uh, posture, the missionary method, will always, will always serve your purpose, especially when the wife does not desire orgasm experience. Not all the time that the women are interested. It's the men that are more interested in it. Now, Christian couples should realize that there is nothing wrong with trying various sexual postures and that either of the partners could at any time initiate his or her own desired or preferred posture. See? Mutual satisfaction should always be the couple's uh, watchword. Praise the Lord. I'm almost running up. After the act, the couple might not disengage immediately since the closeness could be fulfilling to both partners. Hmm? The woman could even sleep off before the man. Sometimes you give her she's already snoring. And you, well, you, you, have to, you have to still have some work to do. I'll tell you now. We'll exchange plain sadness. Oh, I love it. That's great. That's a good one. Praise the Lord. The tendency to sleep off is high, especially after the orgasm experience. However, the couple must ensure a proper and careful cleaning of the smeared vagina area, which with tissue uh, paper uh, before sleeping off. Why am I saying that? When you don't clean up properly, you discover that 
the lady will be prone to what I call urinary tract infection. And it's very common in sexually active women during pregnancy in particular. You know, and the husband is advised to do the cleaning for his wife in a lying down position to avoid the backflow of his pants and subsequent creation of the tract between our anus and the vagina. It is when some organisms in the anus get into the vagina. That's what gives trouble. That's what gives them urinary tract what infection. And uh, at times, some women may not even have symptoms. But years later, they just discovered that their kidneys have packed up. The, the infection will travel up and kill their, and destroy their kidneys. So in that lying down position with her legs wide apart, her husband will be able to see the extent of the vagina smear as he employs the tissue paper generously to clean her up. But some men don't clean yourself, I clean myself. That's, I don't know, we're always quarreling, always fighting. No tenderness of any sort. Now, the man should carefully avoid, like I said, transferring anal contents into the vagina in the process. Not too long ago, I had to treat a woman, a young lady. She had gone through all the teachings, even on sex. She was pregnant and uh, she was running this fever. And uh, they didn't know what was happening. I had gone to so many places, they came to me. I just said, let me see. Just pass urine, pass urine for me. And of course, it was like, uh, it was like blood. I was seven months pregnant. But by God's grace, we were able to <laughs> get out, out of it. But then even during that period, she was always having right go, you know, throwing feet. All those things need not have happened if adequate measures have been taken. Now, the last statement I will make is that orgasm experience becomes increasingly elusive with advanced age. Very men as penile erection, to even have erection becomes a problem by and by. Praise the Lord. So, uh, they have to slow down. Have to slow down because if you want to do it as before you run into trouble, you'll be embarrassing yourself. You'll be, get, you'll be getting frustrated. Orgasm experience could still be attained if the woman helps her husband or attains to what they call penile erection or what have you. And the woman too could still or could still climax, could get orgasm, uh, just continuous stimulation of her clitoris. It gets there. Well, I think I'm going to stop here. All I need to say in conclusion is that the married couple must continue to rediscover mutual sexual excitement and also reaffirm unadulterated sexual love for each other until they are parted by death. Praise the Lord. I rest my case here. Questions, time. Okay, thank you, sir. We we'll have a few questions from online audience. Uh, I will join me in answering the questions. Okay. The first question says that how can couples come to an agreement about sex during fasting? During fasting? Yes, how can they come to an agreement? Should have it or not? Eh? Whether they should have it or not? Yeah, what's the agreement they should have? If the man says he wants sex, I've said it in the course of my 
If the man says he wants it, give him say That has not destroyed your word. Your fasting. Many of us are just funny. Just being religious. The Bible is, in fact, you are covered by the word of God. It says, except by mutual consent. When he or she has not agreed, you are covered already. You can go ahead. All this fasting and not sex thing. No, you don't be rigid about it. Praise God. Hallelujah. The second I answer that question. Yes, sir. So the second question is what do you mean oral sex is unchristian? Does it doesn't the word of the word say that marriage, the marriage bed is undefiled? <laughs> So that 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 reason you get away. Well, you said something that doesn't answer that question. Are you following me? Uh, there's something God has put in place. Sex, the usual way, vaginally, penis, vagina. But when you now begin to talk penis in your mouth, are you following me? <laughs> Some people do that, or begin to talk penis in your anus. Uh, those are, those are not, not, that's not what God created sex for. We all know that. It's so dumb. Let's get it right. It's so dumb. And the truth is that you cannot really uh, move down. They are, they are aberration. It's not better than when even human beings now engage in sexual intercourse. We turn them out. I will put all of them together. So do me. There's no scriptural basis for that kind of a kind of a thing. Please. So if you don't mind, could, could you sit uh, so the audience will see online audience? Okay. Uh, you want me to sit down? I yes. Come and sit down. Exactly. Thank you very much. Hope this is not secret. No, sir. Hmm. Another question from online says that, uh, do you believe in rape in marriage? Rape? Yes, in marriage. Is there anything like rape in marriage? Uh, rape. When somebody, when somebody has sex with uh, forcefully with another person who has not consented to eat with him or her, that's rape now. That's the definition of rape. There has to be mutual consent. Period. There has to be what mutual consent. Otherwise, it's a rape. It's rape. And when somebody rapes another person, <laughs> a big trouble before God. Rape in marriage. Oh, okay, in marriage. In marriage. Okay, I mentioned earlier on about <laughs> one psychiatric lady who told the, the husband, Why are you raping me? They had barely started marriage, though. They was raping her. You know, well, upstairs. People talk that. You know, in marriage, you could discover that some men will forcefully want to have sex with you. Maybe that's what you mean by rape, raping the woman. When she has not consented to it, then the man now thinks that they have That's rape. And uh, of course, I mean, it's out of place. Out of place, it shouldn't happen. Sex between husband and wife should be by mutual agreement. To work her up, make her desire it, make him desire it, have it together, you know, lovingly. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Is having sex during a woman's monthly period wrong biblically? All right. That's another good question. You want to talk? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what happened when we got married. <laughs> you see? When the flow... Okay, let, let me give you an example. There was this couple. They got married. They went on, uh, on their honeymoon. And the very first day of the honeymoon, the lady started bleeding. And that was to continue for about five to seven days. They were really under much tension. And after, after the two or the three, it was even the lady said, please, why are we straining ourselves? Let's clean up the place and do this thing now. What's the big deal about it? And they had fun. Praise God. They had fun. As a matter of fact, I got to know about this when the two of them came for this veteran uh, session along with others who are here to marry. And somebody asked that same question. And I saw them tapping themselves. I thought they said, why are you tapping? He said, I should talk on. What time you what happened? So they really that story. Praise God. Some others have told me, said the Bible says you should not discover the fountain of your wife. He said they have come again. How do you say Bible people? Then the fountain of your wife, what does that mean? All right. So what I'm saying in effect is that if the couple agree to have sex during a man traveled out for two, three months, came back, the wife had just said ministry. What did they do? They just came up and had their phone. It's not, it's not sinful. Praise the Lord. As a matter of fact, if you read your Bible well, what the Bible says is that women who are menstruating should not come to church. Old Testament. But you can't say that nowadays. Because a lot of women in church are menstruating at any time. Am I right? Am I right? I'm right. You see, you don't become unclean as a result of that. The Bible tells us that you and I have been cleansed once and for all in the precious blood of Jesus. When we cling to it, God will begin to look on us as though we never sinned. So you cannot now begin to say that the man and his wife will sexually during the menstrual period for whatever reasons. Now begin to label that as sinful. I don't think it's scriptural. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Nigerian culture by default is polygamous. Only God gives the gift of conception. Is it fair to be dismissive of a child who did not ask to be born and call him or her a bastard? Praise the Lord. You want to talk? Please do. Praise the Lord. Um, I don't think it's the child's fault. I don't think it's the child's fault if um, it's the way the child is born. Um, if the parents have decided to go astray and uh, a child has come out of it. Maybe a father has gone out of the marriage to have a child. 
and the child has come out of it. Ordinarily, you call that child a bastard. But bastard or no bastard, he's still a child precious to God. He's still a soul very important to God. And that is how I view it. Um, you could as well look at a couple or, you know, well, boyfriend, girlfriend, and then they, the girl gets pregnant. Of course, they were not Christians. That's why they were doing girlfriend, boyfriend. And um, maybe he has a child. They might get married. They might not get married. The fate of that child should not hang on the fact that they were not married when she was born. Because um, each child is precious to God. So, and the issue of Nigerians or Africans with polygamous, I don't think it comes into play when you are talking about Christians. The issue of polygamy or no polygamy is not, is not for us as children of God. Either you are Africans or not. So I don't really see the purpose of uh, bringing that up. If the person wants it, um, you're trying to justify the child being born. The child doesn't need any justification. God has already justified the child. It would be sinful for anybody to label that child and thereby discriminate against him because it's not his fault. The women who seem to have a phobia for intercourse clearly seem to be reacting to previous sexual abuse. In this instance, is it fair to be unsympathetic to their trauma? Men too may be adverse also because of childhood assault. Praise the Lord. I think I mentioned something like that in the course of representation. But that case is still hanging till now. It's almost six years into that marriage, the lady has refused to come along with the husband for sex. That's phobia, strong one for sex. And there's the really no justification for that. She was not even assaulted. I don't know what kind of books or what kind of things were going on in her mind. And up till now, that man has continued to be out with her. It's not funny. And the, the worst part of it was that the lady refused to go for a psychiatric consultation. Yes, she will not uh, respond to her husband's sexual advances. I don't know. But the parents, the parents were my students. The parents referred this lady and the man to trial some five, six years ago. The parents had come to see me. They, they themselves are harassed. They just wouldn't know what to do about it. You know. But it's usually once in the blue moon you get that kind of mistake. It's not common. Not common. Now the question is, what is this man to do at this point? <laughs> yes. Okay, thank you very much. Sorry. You know, what should this man do in that instance? You know, six years into the marriage, the lady is still expressing phobia for sex. The lady is refusing to go for uh, counseling. Of course, the marriage has not been consummated. What will she do? What will he do? If he, at that point, decides to call it off and marry another lady, uh, I wouldn't. Uh, 
I wouldn't blame him for that. I wouldn't blame him for that. God is God is God is a judge. Because I think he has tried enough. He has tried enough. It's an unfortunate situation, but it does happen from time to time. The pity. Praise God. Oh, maybe I think one of the things, he asked, the question is actually, should we blame the woman for that or not? Um, if she had been assaulted as a child, maybe she should help herself by um, going to going for therapy, going for counseling, so as to help her. Many people, it has happened to quite a number of people, but God has helped a number of them as well to come out of it. But um, we cannot say that because of that, the man should just keep on suffering. Maybe she shouldn't have gone, she wouldn't have gotten married at all then, if she knew she had that phobia. So she's at fault for getting married. Praise God. Just a follow-up question on the fasting and pray, pray, uh, praying. So fasting is denying yourself of the flesh. Having sex during fasting is satisfying the flesh especially when one of the couple is addicted to, to sex. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I think that um, in most cases, if both of them are Christians and they agree to fast, very likely both of them will keep the, the promise. But you see, a, a lot of problem is when there's no agreement to fast, or where one of the couples is not born again. Or maybe they, they won't attend different churches. Maybe one attempts four square, uh, January to uh, December to January, 40 days. Maybe he's in, the wife is in redeem. Another 90 days. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it does not help the intimacy in the marriage. So there is a need also for both of them to agree. The Bible talks about you should agree to fast. But so if they are not agreed to fast, I don't think the, the party who, desi who, des who, desi who desires it has committed any sin. Okay. Just any burning question in the hall, please. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, sir, for the teachings. But there are so many things that were unaddressed. Um, I'm going to be talking from a professional point of view because I see clients. I'm a psychologist. Mm -hmm. I see clients and some of their presenting complaints, even as Christians, I've gone beyond this age-long teaching. Because if you're talking to a 30, people now get married between the age of 25, they are working, 23 are working two jobs, they are working three jobs. And a lot of them come into marriage with sexual expectations. We didn't address sexual expectations. We didn't address sexual fantasy. We didn't address sexual templates. We talked about orgasm. According to studies, a man reaches orgasm five minutes. A woman reaches orgasm at 45 minutes. 
these time differences is a lot of challenging managers. So as it is, you also mentioned that as a woman, we should not hire up and all that. The things that sexual templates to people differs. If tying a rapper is my own husband's sexual template, you can't tell me not to tie a rapper because automatically you have succeeded in telling me that I cannot work with my own husband's sexual template. Another thing we need also need to address is that sex is universal, but it's different. Like I used to say, sex is like uh, this Ashwabi thing, but people so different styles. So we also need to address the fact that sex, what sex means to me is not what sex means to another person. Sex are, is different. It's not monotonous, like you said. It's not about one way. Sex is not one way traffic. And these are the things we need to bring down to our own age and time. Women don't evolve in sex because of sex pain. A lot of women go through sex pain and they would rather withdraw than continue to endure. A marriage of 14 years that I witnessed ended because the woman can no longer endure the sex pain. And the man enjoyed the sex pain. So hey. this sex pain, sex pain. Women, women experience pain in sex. Some have vaginismus. That's why they don't want to engage in sex because their husband don't know. And most of the time, most of the time, people don't even know what sex means to them. Sex is not always PIV. It's not, like you said, it's every sexual interaction does not have to end in PIV. Sex is not intimacy. People build intimacy outside of sex. If I go to work from morning till night, so, some women are the one financially responsible now. Like me and one of my aunties were discussing here. Women that are subjected to financial pressure, can they simultaneously meet the sexual expectations of their husbands? These are many more of my questions, if you can address them, sir. Praise the Lord. I some of those, your questions have been answered. Am I right? I think some of those questions you asked have been answered in the course of the presentation. Not all of them. And some of them, uh, sorry, somebody, somebody is putting up his hand. God bless you. Thank you for the teaching. Um, Coming also from her point, because she raised some points she maybe expect answer to be given. Um, the real truth is that we must understand if we decide to get into marital relationship. A man's number one need, a man's number one need is sex. A woman number one's need is affection. A woman don't want sex. She wants affection. Sex is an add-on plus. And that was, he has answered the question by saying you need to, 
you know, romance her, give her some good words, make her feel good, get into her emotion. In fact, no, a woman number one need is not even money. You can give a woman all the money in the world if she doesn't get your attention. If you can't sit down and listen to her, it can tell you to go to hell with that money. So if you, if you understand that her need is affection, if you meet that affection, you can have other things. So for a man, you can't count for the man how many times he has sex because he's a seed carrier. She need, he, he needs it every time. It does not require endless time. It doesn't count for him. But the real truth is that these two people need to study. Therefore, when you talk about a woman being the heir of financing the home, that's why a man should go and get a job. Because the first thing God gave to a man is a walk before he gave him a wife. Some men are only interested to have a wife, but I have no job. Therefore, the wife go and walk all the day, come back, you want to climb on top of her. You go to get something doing before you get a wife so that it can also help to reduce your uh, pressure for all of those things. I think it's a contribution that's what I want to make rather than a question. Praise the Lord. Uh, I, I think, you see, we can't talk everything about marriage in a session. What we did this morning was to concentrate on the subject of sex, then, you know, touch some other stuff here and there. That's what I had done. And uh, you see, the issue of money, uh, I mentioned it, uh, but not elaborately. That's what makes a lot of women, uh, what makes them not to be forthcoming uh, with their husbands on the subject of sex. But like I said, it's a old, it's a old teaching on its own. Now, uh, he also mentioned the, uh, the fact that uh, it's not all about sex. We've said all of that. There are a lot of things that are built into it that even make sex, uh, uh, you know, desirable for the man, for the woman in particular, and as well for the man. We've mentioned all around that. Um, so the long and short of what we're saying is that we, are, we, we can't talk everything about marriage in just this session of sex, but as much as possible, uh, uh, and that's why I talked around about twenty things. 20 factors to look into. Yeah. Factors that frustrate husband and wife uh, sexual rapport with each other. I think we just leave it at that. Uh, uh, there are some questions the psychologists ask, uh, which I have not answered, which is that, please. I, 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 didn't, I didn't quite remember everything. There are so many questions. Uh, the, the one that is burning that you feel I have not talked around at all. Let, let, let it Praise the Lord. Yeah. I said one of the reasons why women refrain from sex also had to do with sex pain and vaginismus. Okay, sex pain and vaginismus. Uh, again, I, I think I talked around something like that. A lot of men are so much in a hurry 
they don't allow their wives to, uh, they don't allow, they don't give room for foreplay. Foreplay, that's uh, all that happens before the penetration. You mentioned that, in fact, I mentioned that as well. For some men, it's three, five minutes thing, which I think is being selfish. And it could take quite up to 30, 40 minutes. In some women, I've mentioned all of that. Why some women feel pain when they are relating sexually with their husbands? Because the place is still dry, not wet enough. The men have not worked them up enough. They just want to climb on them and then slump up and sleep. That is rubbish. But when a woman has uh, secreted copiously, copiously, it's not likely to, when the place has, when the old place has been well lubricated. It's not likely to suffer all those pains you are talking about. Praise God. No more questions, sir. <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Can we give a round of applause to Dr. Mo and his wife? Okay, thank you. We just go to the communion and then we'll write on the service. Okay, uh, one more thing for I brought some books on marriage. Some okay. of them were, some of them were even, uh, are, are they out there? Uh, 